This is America's WebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Good afternoon, everyone. And uh, a lot of things to talk about today, as usual. We have the uh, situation that occurred uh, in Houston, Texas, a few days ago, where we had a white police officer, actually a deputy sheriff, who was refueling his, his patrol car at a gas station, and a black man, young black guy, about 30 years old, uh, walked up behind him and shot him. And then when the officer went down, the deputy went down, the man stepped over him and shot him more times. In fact, uh, you know, it's just been learned the last few days that he shot him 15 times. There were 15 cartridges found. Ballistics matched the weapon that they found in this man's home. And so we have a dead white police officer, which is exactly what certain people want out there. The Black Panthers, just about a week ago or so, held a rally in Texas, not too far from Houston, where they called on blacks to shoot white police officers, of all police officers, really. They didn't discriminate. You know, they want all police officers dead. And then you have Louis Farrakhan, this was just reported to me a couple of days ago, is putting together another million-man march in Washington. And he says, among the people there, he wants 10,000 volunteers who will go out and do nothing but kill whites. Louis Farrakhan is an ally of Obama. He is one of his big supporters. Obama originally distanced himself from the campaign in 2008, since that time, it's pretty much embraced what this guy says. So, Darren Goforth was a good man. That's the name of the deputy that was killed. He was a good man. He did not deserve what happened to him. But let's face it, we have open season on police officers in this state, in this country. It's not that much of a coincidence that two police officers were killed during the same week in Louisiana. Now, there's no indication that it was racially motivated, because one of them was black and killed by his, his cousin, actually. But the whole atmosphere in this country now is that it's open season on law enforcement. Obama has basically declared it that way. I mean, let's look at what, what's happened after the Ferguson and Michael Brown incident, where the White House immediately embraced Michael Brown before knowing the facts and immediately attacked uh, Darren Wilson, the police officer. And it turned out that Michael Brown was a thug who had committed a robbery of a store and was trying to escape from the police. And when he was stopped, he attacked Wilson and Wilson was forced to shoot him. That's what came out in the grand jury. That's what the ultimate story was here. But that's not what you ever heard from the Obama administration. Three representatives of the White House went to the man's funeral. Representatives of the White House went to the funeral of the black thug in Baltimore without knowing the facts about that. You know, we got six police officers there who have been indicted and are going to stand trial for doing 
nothing, as best we can tell. Now the information is coming out that uh, Gardner basically tried to injure himself before while in police custody to generate a lawsuit or whatever. And had done the same thing this time. And he caused his own injuries and ultimately his own death. But you had the black mayor of Baltimore basically tell the police to stand down and let the rioters and looters do their thing. Don't interfere with them. You have the city attorney, a black woman, who decides that she's going to prosecute these officers. It doesn't matter what actually happened. She's going after these officers for murder in one case. What's this all about? It's all about racism. It's all about the culture of Obama. Ever since he was elected to the office of President of the United States, he has tried to divide this country along the lines of race, along the lines of class, divide us along the lines of religion. And the Constitution requires that freedom of religion be protected in this country. It says freedom of religion, not freedom from religion. What are the protected religions in this country right now? Not Christianity. Not the Judeo-Christian background of our country. Jews are not protected. Muslims are protected. Muslims are glorified. Muslims who want to kill us are glorified. Atheists are protected. That's not a religion. That's a cult. But atheists are protected. Wiccans are protected. Witches. I mean, they, you know, in the U.S. Air Force Academy in Colorado Springs, they have a shrine or actually a worship place for Wiccans, for Air Force cadets who worship witchcraft, possibly Satan, who knows. So Obama has sought to divide us, and to a great extent has succeeded. My fear is that we're going to see many more incidents of this type of thing happen. That we're going to see more and more police officers killed. I mean, remember, they had two killed in New York. Two police officers were gunned down while in their car because of retaliation for Michael Brown and, and other alleged shootings by police officers. Two police officers were gunned down. No representative of the White House attended their funeral. No representative of the White House attended the funeral, or funerals, I should say, of the four Marines and the sailor massacred in Chattanooga by a jihadist terrorist. No representative of the White House attended the funeral of an American general killed in Afghanistan. No one from the White House attended the funeral of Chris Kyle, the American sniper, who was killed right here in Texas. Yet, Obama goes forward 
with allowing these attacks to take place, and, and as far as I'm concerned, encouraging them. By the way, the, the situation in Chattanooga has just infuriated me more than virtually anything else because of the fact that we have five members of our military who were killed by a Muslim with ties to ISIS or someone who had at least researched jihad, the jihad. There could be no other reason for him killing them. Yet the FBI says they don't know a motive. And because they don't know a motive, Obama says these five families of these five men who were killed, the men cannot be awarded the Purple Heart posthumously because it wasn't an act of terror, as far as he knows. You know, he, he hadn't called an act of terror yet. He won't call it an act of terror. He has yet to call the shootings at Fort Hood an act of terror. It took congressional action to finally get the Purple Hearts awarded to the deceased members of the military who were killed at Fort Hood and awarded to the ones who had survived, the wounded members. I see there's special benefits that go along with the Purple Heart, things that will help the families out. Yet Obama has refused to label it an act of terrorism, calling it an act of workplace violence. Now, you had Major Hadal Hassan standing up on a table, shooting down members of the military, yelling, Allah Akbar, God is great. We know for a fact that he had been in contact with radical Islamists in other countries. It was an act of terror. <clears throat> Yet Obama will not call it that. And he's not going to call the shooting of Darren Goforth a hate crime. Think about it. A young black man shoots down a white police officer. It at least needs to be investigated as a hate crime. As the Attorney General of the United States, Loretta Lynch, stepped in and said, we're going to investigate this as a hate crime. No. And she won't. Because this is the part of the culture that Obama is in favor of. Division by race. Every dictator in the history of the world has taken control of the country or territory they wanted to dictate over by dividing the population. Hitler did it. He turned the population against the Jews. He blamed the Jews for all the troubles. Eventually he turned uh, people against Christianity. Hitler turned Germans against each other. And he became a dictator. And Obama is following Adolf Hitler's playbook. He has been doing it ever since he took office. I suggest you read Mein Kampf. I also remember last week we also had the murder in cold blood of two reporters. 
whites, both of them, killed by a former colleague who just happened to be a gay black man who kept making claims of racism against everybody who employed him. And this, this guy is clearly a racist. He clearly hated whites. In his manifesto that he sent to the uh, news media shortly after he killed these two former colleagues of his, shot him down in cold blood on live TV. Is Obama going to have this investigated as a hate crime? Is Loretta Lynch going to have this investigated as a hate crime? Absolutely not. In this country, if you are white, you are black. Let's take our first break now. The United States Justice Foundation, since 1979, has been dedicated to instructing, informing, and educating the public on legal issues confronting America. That means you and me. When necessary, this nonprofit organization has had to litigate to present the constitutional view. Since 1980, USJF has submitted testimony to the U.S. Senate on all but one U.S. Supreme Court nominee. Learn more about USJF by visiting their website at www.usjf.net. Support this nonprofit as it defends our rights, our liberty, and our Constitution. Who is or what is USJF? It is a nonprofit legal organization founded to protect our rights through the U.S. Constitution. Active in educating the public, USJF has also contributed directly and indirectly to legal defense efforts in many celebrated cases involving fundamental conservative principles. Cases of note include the Mount Soledad Cross case, the Arizona Immigration Law case, the Obama eligibility cases, the NDAA illegal detention issue, and many more. Help this nonprofit as they help you. Visit www.usjf.net today. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Now, what we got in response from the Obama administration to the killing of the two reporters was calls for more gun control. And that's all we're going to get is continued calls for gun control. And we need to start talking about that. Because it's coming. It's happening right now. Gun control is happening. The veterans are once again under assault. And I have a recent article in my blog uh, called Veteran Alert. It's a www.michaelconnellyconnelly.com and I've alerted veterans around the country that they are likely going to receive from the VA something about the MVP project or the Million Veteran Project and what they're going to receive is a letter saying that we are going to study veterans on a genetic basis. We want to look at veterans' genes and see if there's anything in your genes that will help us diagnose you medically, will help us treat you medically. And they send out this long questionnaire, which people are required to fill out if they want to participate in the project. 
And then they said they won't have doctors visit the VA clinic, apparently to draw blood, so they can do genetic analysis of you. Well, if you're a veteran, let me tell you, go to that article. Again, michaelconnelly.jigsy.com. And there's a link there to the questionnaire and to the cover letter. And if you start looking at that questionnaire, you'll find that it's really kind of scary. Because what you're going to see there is questions about how much money you make, questions about your marital status, you know, routine type stuff. Although I'm asking you how much money you make. I don't know how that affects your study of genetics. But they're also going to ask you about your health including your mental and emotional health. Do you get depressed? Do you drink too much? And not just about you. They're going to be asking about your mental and emotional health, or about the mental and emotional health of your relatives, your spouses, your children, your parents even. And they say they're going to keep this confidential. Right. The questionnaire contains a lot of the same information that the VA is now using to declare veterans incompetent to handle their own financial affairs. And if you're new to the show, you've never read the articles, you're not familiar with what they're doing, this has been going on for years now, ever since Obama took office. And I've been, I broke the story about two and a half years ago. The veterans are getting letters from the VA saying, because of your physical or mental disabilities, we are going to declare you incompetent to handle your own financial affairs. Once we do that, you can no longer own, purchase, possess, or transport firearms or ammunition. If you do, you're guilty of a felony. Well, there's no due process. They give the veteran 60 days to prove that he or she is competent. The due process clause of the Constitution contained in the Fifth Amendment requires that the government prove something like this, that the veteran is innocent or proven guilty, or proven incompetent in this case. That's not the way they're operating. The veteran has to prove their competence. Veterans are being declared incompetent because of minor PTSD issues because they might have been depressed at some time in the distant past, it could be. They're being declared incompetent because they let their spouses pay the family bills, or they're being declared incompetent because, and get this, and, and I've seen this in writing, ladies and gentlemen, I'm not making this up. They've been declared incompetent because they let their the banks pay their bills automatically out of their checking accounts every month. How many people out there do that sort of thing? A lot of us. Does that make you incompetent to handle your own financial affairs? Sounds to me like it makes you more competent, because that way you know for your bill's going to be paid on time. You don't have to worry about forgetting about it. If that's what they're doing to veterans. And we uncovered through a lawsuit. I say we, you know, I'm talking about the United States Justice Foundation. We uncovered through a lawsuit a memorandum, and we done a Freedom of Information Act request against the VA, to try to get this memorandum or to try to get any information about what they were doing with veterans. 
and why they were putting them on the NICS list. And this NICS list is a National Instant Criminal Background Checklist and run by the FBI. And if you were on that list, it means you cannot legally purchase a firearm. There's negative things about you. If you're a convicted felon, you go on the list. If you're a known illegal drug user, you go on the list. If you are have been adjudicated to be mentally ill to the point of being a danger to yourself or others, you go on the list. Well, the VA refused to respond to our Freedom of Information Act request, so we sued and we won. And one of the things we got was a confidential memorandum between the VA and the FBI, in which the FBI basically agreed to help the VA violate the Second, Fifth, and Fourth Amendment rights of veterans. Putting, giving the names, the VA just sends the names of these veterans they've declared incompetent to the FBI, and the FBI puts them on the next list as people who cannot purchase firearms under the category of being mentally ill to the point of being a danger to themselves or others. No adjudication is required by law. Most of these veterans have never even seen a psychologist or psychiatrist. There's nothing in their medical records to justify this whatsoever. Yet there are over 2,000 on the list. And guess what? According to Senator Charles Grassley's office, and we're working with the Senate Judiciary Committee that he chairs on this issue, 99.3% of the people on the next list that are in the category of mentally ill, 99.3% of them are veterans. That's pretty scary. And it's growing. The list is growing. And now we have a questionnaire, this Million Veteran Project, this questionnaire that will allow the VA to put even more people on the list, to put, declare even more people incompetent. Because if you fill out that questionnaire and you indicate that you've ever been depressed or you've ever suffered anxiety, or you've ever had insomnia, you could be put on that list under their criteria. So I wrote this article. Again, you can read it on my, online on my blog. And I sent it out to my mailing list. By the way, if you want to get on my mailing list to receive my emails, and all, all I send you is an email notifying you when I put, post a new article on my blog. I don't do forwards. I don't send out solicitations. I will notify you when I have put a new article in my blog. And they, nobody has access to that list except me. But if you want to get on that list, you can check out the blog. You can see my email at the end of the articles. And you can send me a, a, a note that says you'd like to be on the list. But in any case, I posted that. I sent it out to people. I encouraged them to get it on to veterans veterans all over the country. I heard back almost immediately from representatives of the Vietnam Veterans Association, and they apparently had looked into this on their own and discovered that, well, actually, you know, they appreciated my article because it was a heads up for them. They hadn't really looked into it in some of the local chapters at this point, but one of the local chapters of state chat organizations emailed me and said, we checked with the national organization, and they asked the VA for what guarantees could they get 
that veterans are participating in this project were going to be protected, <clears throat> that their medical information was going to be protected. Was there a specific program in place to do that? And the VA said, no. We make no guarantees. Despite what they say in their cover letter, they're sending out to veterans, they're making no guarantees. Now, based on this information, we have the Vietnam Veterans Association telling its members not to fill out this questionnaire, not to participate in this project. They're that concerned. Other veterans organizations organizations need to get concerned. We need more help to fight this sort of thing to help our veterans. Right now, the American Legion, I'm a lifetime member of the American Legion. I'm past post commander for two years. American Legion, VFW, none of the national organizations want to deal with this. They, they continue to ignore it. In fact, in the case of the American Legion, they actually had somebody, right after I wrote my original article about two and a half years ago, they had somebody who had a blog for them put an article from an anonymous source saying that everything I said was untrue. An anonymous source. And that's it. That's the only thing they've ever said about this, as far as I can determine. That's not true of a local chapter or a local post. Or true of individual members. Because they had been quite upset about this, many of them. I make speeches all over the country about this subject. And if you want me to come and speak to your organization, and I, I go to gun clubs, I speak to veterans groups, I speak to the Lions clubs, Rotary clubs, to Tea Party groups, to Republican groups, to other conservative organizations, anybody who wants to listen, let me know. I'll come make a speech to your organization about what's happening here. Because what's happening here is devastating. Absolutely devastating to our veterans. And it's getting worse. And it's going to continue to get worse. Because there's a lot more about to happen on the gun control front, on the Second Amendment front. We're stepping into a quagmire here of totalitarianism. It's coming at us like a steamroller. And it's going to get a lot worse. And it's going to get a lot worse very, very quickly because of what's happening with this new UN Small Arms Treaty, what's happening with the veterans, even what's happening in Congress. Congress isn't passing the gun control legislation, but pretty soon Congress is not going to have to. They're turning over their prerogatives as one of the three parts of the government that's supposed to be part of the balance of power, one of the three branches. They're turning that over to the president. We'll talk about that after this next break. Who is or what is USJF? It is a nonprofit legal organization founded to protect our rights through the U.S. Constitution. 
Active in educating the public, USJF has also contributed directly and indirectly to legal defense efforts in many celebrated cases involving fundamental conservative principles. Cases of note include the Mount Soledad Cross case, the Arizona Immigration Law case, the Obama eligibility cases, the NDAA illegal detention issue, and many more. Help this nonprofit as they help you. Visit www.usjf.net today. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government, as well as those involved in legal cases, have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. You're listening to America's Webradio.com the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. You know, I'm talking about what's happening to veterans. Well, we need to look further because about six months ago, I wrote an article on my blog, and I talked about expanding the assault. And I talked again about what was happening with veterans. And I said, it's going to get worse. Because we, at that point, the United States Justice Foundation, had been filing memorandums legal memorandums opposing changes in regulation by HHS, by BATF, regulations that appeared to, to me to be regulations that were going to expand the efforts of the government of gun control. Now, one of those HHS was proposing and finally adopted despite our opposition, the opposition of many, many other organizations and individuals, they adopted a program that basically said, we are going to go along with President Obama's executive order, which basically abolishes the federal law, the so-called HIPAA law. The HIPAA law was designed to protect the privacy of medical records. Your medical records, my medical records, veteran medical records, everybody's medical records. This is what the law was all about. You're not supposed to have your medical records revealed to anybody, including government agencies, without your permission. Well, obviously, the VA is revealing the medical records of veterans to the FBI without permission. So apparently, to protect him and his opportunities and the government's opportunities to do this, Obama issued an executive order saying that HIPAA is abolished when it comes to records that indicate mental illness. So HHS adopts these new regulations that basically, BATF, that basically classify mental illness with a very broad brush. If you've ever been depressed, if you've ever told a doctor you were depressed, even if you were never treated for depression, your medical records are going to be sent to the FBI by HHS. Or by the VA. 
if you've ever had PTSD, and you know, they always talk about PTSD in terms of soldiers. Well, anybody can have PTSD and does. If you've been in an automobile in an automobile accident, you could have PTSD for a short period of time. If you've lost a loved one unexpectedly, you could have PTSD. If you lost your job, you could have PTSD. PTSD is not classified as a mental illness medically. Yet the federal government is classified as of such. So if you had PTSD, if you've had depression, your records go to the FBI. At least that's what they're setting up. If you have ever taken certain medications for ADD when you were a child, ADHD, any medications for depression, even medications for insomnia. We have a we have a veteran in New York where they have these draconian gun laws who had his gun seized because he went to the VA about insomnia. Not about a mental illness. He had insomnia. He wanted to get something to help him sleep. They declared him mentally ill to the point of being a danger to himself or others, and they sent the police to kick down his door and seize his weapons. So this is what the federal government is doing, and some state governments. I mean, California is doing the same thing, Connecticut, Maryland. All of these places that want to be havens of gun control, that have gun-free zones, all these these states that have the draconian gun laws and have the highest crime rates in the country, for the most part. Maryland. Baltimore. Murder rate about twice what it was last year because the police have been told don't do anything, particularly if the suspect is black. New York, where they have massive crime rates in New York City. You know, these are the states that are going along with this and pushing it hard. But I predicted that this was going to expand beyond veterans. And I predicted that the next category of people that the government was going to be going after were going to be senior citizens, Social Security recipients. That's exactly what has happened. The, about four weeks ago, the Los Angeles Times, not exactly a bastion conservative thought, published an article that said that the Social Security Administration was implementing a program to declare people incompetent to handle their own Social Security benefits and to appoint third-party payees. Now, the third-party payee system, like the fiduciary system of the VA, has been around for a while. People who have third-party payees are, and are therefore considered incompetent to handle their own financial affairs or their own Social Security benefits are now going to be put on the next list. They're going to be declared mentally incompetent without a hearing, without any adjudication, without any examination. They're going to be declared incompetent by the Social Security Administration, and they're going to get the same letter that the veterans get saying that... <laughs> You can no longer own firearms or purchase firearms. 
it's coming. It's happening. And in the article, the Los Angeles Times basically confirmed what I've been saying about the veterans. And, of course, we have VA has been denying this sort of thing. Members of the national news media have been attacking me, saying I'm making all this up. And then the Los Angeles Times says, this is the same program that's been in effect for veterans over the last few years. It goes into some detail. So they confirm what I've been saying. They confirm what I suspected was going to happen next. Well, that's not the only confirmation that we have out there. Because we also have the members of Congress, several members of the House the representatives, who wrote to the Social Security Administration and said, is this true? Are you really going to be doing this? They got a response back last week. The Social Security Administration said, yeah, we're going to be doing this. Basically, it worked well for the veterans. We're not going to do it to senior citizens. But we're not going to do it to everybody. Not everybody who has a third-party payee is going to be put on this list. Well, the veterans are being told they're not going to do it to everybody either. The VA's not going to do it to everybody. But let's face it, what constitutes a third-party payee? What's the definition of that? I don't know. If you have your Social Security check deposited directly into your bank, and that's pretty much a requirement these days, is a bank a third-party payee? They may not stretch it that far, but I tell you what, if you, like many veterans, have your benefit check deposited directly into your bank and then have your bills paid by the bank directly out of your account, then they've already classified that as being veterans, making veterans incompetent to handle their own financial affairs. So they're going to do the same to Social Security recipients. If a veteran just doesn't like to pay the family bills, say they feel more comfortable with their wife or husband paying the bills because they've been doing it for a long time, they will just let that happen. That will get you declared incompetent. We have one veteran in Alabama who was declared incompetent because he let his wife pay the family bills. His wife worked at a bank. She got it set up an automated system. Yet he's been told he can't own firearms because he's mentally ill to the point of being a danger to himself or others. So, if you're a veteran, and we're fighting these veterans' cases on an individual basis, we're helping veterans prepare appeals, prepare letters, prepare the information they need to fight this. And we're desperately trying to raise the funds to file a class action lawsuit. And some people have been donating very generously lately, but we need a lot more. So if you want to donate to help us here, because we're not charging these veterans or their families anything, and if you're a Social Security recipient, we won't charge you anything. But if you want to donate to help us fight this, Go to usjf.net, 
It's the United States Justice Foundation, USJF.net, and you can learn how to donate. You can learn how to get in touch with me, and you can watch out for watch what we're doing. Go to USJF.net. You can donate online. You can donate by mail. It doesn't matter. Uh, try to help us out here because we're fighting for individual veterans, and we'll fight for Social Security recipients. So if you fall in with this either category and you have received a letter from the VA or the Social Security Administration saying that they're going to declare you incompetent to handle your own financial affairs and you're going to then lose your Second Amendment rights, contact me at Michael at USJFmail.net. That's Michael at USJFmail.net. We will work with you. We will assist you. We have to stop this. Now, right now, there's some legislation pending in Congress to try to protect the veterans on this. But they've tried twice before, and they haven't been successful. And anything passed by Congress will be vetoed by Obama. And you're not going to get two-thirds of the Senate to override a veto when it comes to protecting veterans or comes to, to keeping veterans from being disarmed. That's not going to happen. And I'm not sure we can trust the U.S. Senate or the U.S. House of Representatives at all at this point, at least not the leadership, because they're about to do something, I'm afraid, with this U.N. small arms treaty that's going to be devastating. And we'll get into that after this final break. The United States Justice Foundation, since 1979, has been dedicated to instructing, informing, and educating the public on legal issues confronting America. That means you and me. When necessary, this nonprofit organization has had to litigate to present the constitutional view. Since 1980, USJF has submitted testimony to the U.S. Senate on all but one U.S. Supreme Court nominee. Learn more about USJF by visiting their website at www.usjf.net. Support this nonprofit as it defends our rights, our liberty, and our Constitution. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. Whether cruising the Strip at a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government, as well as those involved in legal cases, have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. 
just before the break, I'd mentioned the United Nations Small Arms Treaty. And, you know, things are really getting interesting with that treaty. And when I say interesting, I mean scary. The treaty enough was, itself was scary enough. I read the treaty, oh, right after it was first written, first proposal. And I read the treaty, and you, know, you had the, the liberals saying, oh, well, it's not going to affect the, uh, the right to keep and bear arms in this country. It's not going to really have any impact at all. It's designed to try to stop uh, the flow of arms to terrorists and to criminals. And I looked at that treaty, and I said, bull. The treaty is directed at the citizens of the United States primarily to disarm us. It went on for a couple of years. They, they talked about the treaty. We kept hearing very little about it, really, from the national news media. But I kept up with it. And sure enough, they came out with the final version. And a number of countries, a total of 130, said signed it or have signed it. And the United States was one of them. John Kerry signed it months ago on behalf of Obama. Now, under the Constitution of the United States, any treaty signed by the president or any representative of the executive branch of government, before it can go into effect, must be submitted to the United States Senate and be ratified by a two-thirds vote of the senators. This treaty has not been submitted to the U.S. Senate. Obama has, has indicated he has no intention of submitting it to the U.S. Senate. He knows it would be defeated. He knows there's no way that they would get two-thirds of the Senate to vote for this treaty. But he is implementing it anyway. Last week, there was a four-day meeting in Mexico. Representatives from all the countries who signed the treaty were there. The purpose was to set up the procedure for implementing and enforcing the treaty. Representatives from the United States were there. Now, what did they do? We don't know. The meeting was held in secret. We're not privy to what went on at that meeting. Members of Congress are not privy to what went on at that meeting. Does it sound familiar? Remember the Iranian agreement or treaty? Does that sound familiar? Members of Congress don't know about the side agreements. They haven't read the side agreements between Iran and the, and the International Arms Control Agency, or the, actually the, the agency that controls nuclear weapons. There's all kinds of side agreements out there. But we don't know what kind of agreements were made at this meeting in Mexico. But I do know this. In order for that treaty to be implemented anywhere in the world, there has to be gun, universal gun registration inside the country where it's implemented. Now, when Obama had Kerry sign the treaty, he and Kerry both said, oh, this doesn't require gun registration. Not going to affect the Second Amendment rights at all. That's bull. It does require gun registration. That's the only way they can enforce the provisions of the treaty. It's supposed to stop the transfer of arms from one country to another. 
from individuals in one country to another country. Individuals supposedly engaged in crime. How are they going to know if I'm transferring a gun or contemplating it if my guns are not registered? They're not. So the whole purpose behind this is national gun registration. And Obama is going to impose this on the American people. I'm not sure when we're going to find out what happened in this meeting. I'm afraid we're not going to find out until all of a sudden we get executive orders flooding us from the White House implementing the treaty. Because what the White House is saying is that the Constitution doesn't really mean what it says. That Article 2, Section 2 of the Constitution when it talks about the president signing treaties and then having to submit them for ratification of the Senate, if that doesn't really mean what it says, that the Constitution really means that the president can go ahead and sign treaties, implement treaties, enforce treaties, and if the Senate wants to stop him from doing it, it has to have a two-thirds vote to stop him. Excuse me. There's nothing in the Constitution that says that. There has never been anything in the Constitution that says that. If that's precisely what the Obama administration is saying is the case. So they're going to implement this treaty. Is Congress going to stop them? No. I mean, this is a case where Obama says it's a treaty. See, any agreement made by the President of the United States with a foreign country is considered a treaty. And if the President tries to call it something else, the United States Senate can say it's a treaty. And they could say you have to submit it to the, the Senate. Well, no one is really out there beating the drums and demanding that this treaty be submitted to the Senate. They're sort of just letting it slide, letting it work its way without really doing anything about it. And now they have set a precedent for Obama to do what he wants, to ignore the Senate, to ignore the Constitution. Just by renaming something an executive agreement instead of a treaty. That's what happened with the Iran Treaty. The Iran Treaty falls into the classic definition of what a treaty is. A treaty is a, an agreement between two or more countries, a long-term agreement. Well, the Iran Treaty is, is set to last at least 15 years. Yet, Obama has said it's not a treaty executive agreement, and he got the leaders of the House and the Senate. Remember, these are Republicans. These are supposedly people that protect the Constitution. He got the Republicans to agree to something totally unprecedented, totally unconstitutional, totally illegal, and immoral. Basically, he got the Republicans to agree with the president that he can call this whatever he wants to call it, and that he does not have to submit it to the Senate for two-thirds approval. 
and that, in fact, the, he can submit this to Congress, the Iranian treaty, for a vote of disapproval. But if the majority of the House and the majority of the Senate get together and disapprove this, then they have agreed to let the president veto that disapproval. And then it will take two-thirds of both houses to override his veto. What the heck is this? Article 1, Section 7 of the Constitution provides that the President of the United States can veto legislation passed by Congress. Key word, passed by Congress. And then it takes two-thirds majority of both houses to override his veto. The wording is clear. There's nothing in the Constitution. There's nothing in any legal precedent. There's nothing in any court cases. There's nothing in any legislation since the Constitution was written that indicates that the president can veto a negative vote. Think about the implications of that. We now have the leadership in Congress agreeing that the president can submit anything he wants any treaty he wants, and call it an executive agreement, and two-thirds of the Senate will not be required to ratify it. In fact, two-thirds of the Senate will be forced to vote to override a presidential veto to keep it from going into force. But what's even worse is it turns Article One, Section 7 of the Constitution upside down. It basically says that now the President of the United States, <laughs> excuse me, now and in the future can submit proposed legislation of any kind to Congress and submit it to them, and if Congress votes against it, he can override the negative vote, and then two-thirds of the members of the House and Senate will have to vote to override his veto. Otherwise, it will go into law. So we have basically, as I say we, the leaders of the House and Senate have turned over dictatorial powers to Obama. Ladies and gentlemen, follow this, this radio show. Continue to listen to it. Get other people to listen to it. Go to my blog at Michael Connolly, C-O-N-N-E-L-L-Y dot Jigsy, G-I-G-S-Y dot com. You can follow the blog. You can read about the... Uh, the books that I've written and the booklet on the Constitution, which is extremely popular. You can find out how to order copies of that and go to usjf.net, find out how you can donate to the United States Justice Foundation to help us with our work. And again, if you are a veteran or if you are a senior citizen and you are being attacked by the federal government, your Second Amendment rights are being threatened, contact me personally at Michael at usjfmail.net. We will try to help you in every way that we can. So I look forward to talking to you again next week, and everyone have a good week. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.